All right, welcome back to another T-Rex talk. We are live on YouTube for the next until I mentioned gun control okay. or a specific person who's pushing gun control who is a presidential candidate, we'll say that much. We're allowed to tell you guys that there are presidential candidates, right? I think that's still inside the terms and service agreement. So uh, I'm here with Lucas. We're going to be talking about um, 2020 economy because there have been some economic changes and we are a business. We're a business that's in the gun industry, whatever that is. Uh, and this is one aspect of the economy that's actually doing pretty well. Um, there are downsides, but there, uh, there's a lot of, lot of sales going on right now. There's people buying guns. There's, uh, there's not anyone buying ammo, but that's because all the ammo has already been bought. Um, yeah, the gun industry is pretty healthy right now. And I wanted to talk about that with Lucas, my brother. Uh, we're, we're sort of watching the, the questions. Lucas is watching the questions as they come in. But uh, also, you can check this out as a podcast. Look up T-Rex Talk on your podcast. And um, yeah, as a podcast, it's actually doing pretty well, even though, uh, Lucas, you have, not, uh, you have not plugged the podcast on your Instagram. Well, uh, <laughs> I need some good graphics. And uh, what I actually would like to do is get sound bites. I know we've been saving some of our... Uh, it's true. We've saved, I think this is episode 23 or 24. Like we have as many episodes as your average television season now, which is kind of fun. Yeah. What was I saying? I had to look at an email that came in. We um, wanted some graphics. Yeah. Graphics. Some sound bites. Uh, it's yeah, sound bites. So what we've done is we've taken some of these segments in the past and we've gone through, and this is an hour long and pulled small clips for our Instagram. So that's the kind of thing that would be nice to have to plug this and we'll actually post them too. So yeah. I don't know, but we're a little short-staffed in the marketing department. But we have two videos coming up. We've got one this week on something that some of you all might have seen if you watch my Twitch already, a rough draft. I can and then another one next week that I worked on this fumes. morning. I can still smell you the You just paint gave fumes. it away. Uh, but yeah, so that should be getting published in the next couple days. And then I've got a video that I've been working on, uh, one of the only edit projects I've done this year, and that should be launching next weekend. And that's on uh, something a little more, a little more fun. Yeah. A little more interesting. Lucas is like, his mic is too loud. So here's one of the things that, um, that we want to talk about is, yeah, sales are, the other reason that we haven't been doing a ton of hardcore marketing this year is we haven't needed to because stuff is just flying off the shelves. It's hard to keep stuff in stock. So one of the things that is really interesting to watch is there's a bunch of people talking about how crummy the economy is and how many people have uh, applied for um, uh, the mm -hmm. unemployment benefits and it is a big number. I don't want to downplay that, except for the fact that half of those people are in California. So the economy is really negatively affected in ways that are very uneven, much more in California than literally all the other states. And certain uh, parts of the economy, certain industries more than others. Uh, do you remember we had a conversation about uh, 11 months ago when the first season of The Mandalorian came out? We were talking about how awesome Disney had it launching their own streaming platform oh yeah with an awesome star wars uh tv show all the star wars movies all the marvel movies all the pixar movies yeah all of the disney movies and they had a whole slate of stuff that was coming and it was like well obviously they're they're killing it and they're gonna they're gonna win but then but then coronavirus happened and a lot of stuff changed and companies like Disney are actually having a hard time because yes. they can't produce more content, new content. 
Well, there's that, but also Disney is a gigantic company and they get most of their profit, most of their cash flow actually comes from the parks and the parks are closed. And toys. And they get a pretty big chunk of it from cruises. Cruises are done. Um, they have a content delivery platform, but uh, yeah, they're not shooting as much more content as they had planned and they have a bunch of content that's delayed and they had a bunch of content that was gonna go to theaters and make hundreds of millions of dollars in theaters and theaters were closed. So like lots of stuff has changed and a lot of people are looking at stuff like that and they're talking about a whole bunch of, uh, um, when, when economists often talk about the economy and the strength of the economy, they look at what people are doing with their disposable income, how people are spending it on entertainment, mm -hmm. which in a way makes sense because if the economy is healthy, people put more of their money into entertainment and so forth. But that's not a perfect test because there's also times when there are like, this has been a pretty big year for, for T-Rex. We've had a lot of sales. Interest in guns and holsters has been really high this year. It's true. We have put almost all of that money into growing the company. And I imagine that this is true of a ton of gun companies yep. that exist. They are, they are not sitting Tons. at home buying Mulan for, no, renting Mulan for $30 on top of whatever Disney Plus actually costs per month. They're putting that money into CNC machines because they're trying to grow yep. and expand their production capacity. Lots of reinvestment. And all of the reinvestment into the economy looks to people who only look at uh, disposable income spending, that looks like a declining economy. What that actually is is an economy that is reinvesting in itself, an economy that is stronger. There's a ton of people that are bringing more manufacturing jobs back to the states. And so even though theme parks are closed and movie theaters are closed and Disney is suffering, um, it actually is gonna be, I think, a very positive thing for the overall economy and for the country in general. So that's kind of an interesting thing to talk about. I'm sure you've heard some industry stories about people who are ramping up production, trying, yeah. to, trying to do stuff. I, uh, so I was at an event uh, two weeks ago uh, up at near the Fort Bragg area and there were a lot of industry people there and I overheard one guy saying that there's a ammo company, I'm not sure which one, he didn't say, that has back ordered $2 billion. Wow. Um, so the defense industry, what we're seeing right now is actually in some ways very similar to the early 2000s golden age of GWAT as far as you know ammo going through the roof. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen with training. I had some meetings with some instructors while I was out there and was talking to them about the future of training because there's obviously less ammo. So for you guys to go out and get training may be a little difficult. I think certain kinds of training is going to go up though. I think some classes like uh, medical, uh, some of the more specialized courses that don't revolve around ammo, uh, because I think to some extent people are actually having more money now than they nor shooters that is mm -hmm. than they normally yeah. do because they're not buying ammo. Now they're buying some ammo at inflated rates, but then they're not just shooting as much. Yeah. So I feel like, and I saw I had some questions last night on my Twitch from people going, "Do I buy ammo at inflated prices or a PBS 14?" And I was like, "Get a 14. If you've already got enough ammo to fill your mags for, you know, the end of the world as we know it." Uh, get night vision, have that capability. So I feel like next year we're going to see a spike in more specialized training and in more specialized products like night vision that people mm -hmm. don't normally go out and buy uh, because they're not buying ammo and they have more money. I mean, I'm not shooting as much right now. I still yeah. can shoot a decent amount, but I'm not shooting as much because of um, there's obviously work stuff here and more business CEO stuff. But uh, that is ultimately more money that I could direct into something else like motorcycles if I want to get better at driving dirt bikes or something, which I was actually thinking about last night, or 
Uh, I had a lovely idea that I really want to do. I actually talked to David about this morning. Is this going to be an on-camera uh, idea? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is fine. It's fine. Oh. I, I'm pricing it, though. Maybe someone in here can help us out. And I did <laughs> got one quote. It was six figures, uh, so it was a little expensive. Uh, I actually want to do a full obstacle course back behind that building that we can use for product testing and Site uh, employee morale building. Um, so it'd be a big wooden, you know, Marine Corps, bud style, whatever obstacle course. I haven't done an obstacle course in a long time, but, um, but stuff like that, I would, would like to put money into things like that that's separate from shooting. Um, and so that's one example, a little more far-fetched. It's a little more expensive. I just had a company quote me like, uh, they said eighty to $100,000 to do one. That's a little more than I'd like to spend, obviously. I feel like we could probably make one for cheaper. But a full obstacle course for us to go test gear at, um, play around on. You Team know, it's a, it's a playground. What? Team building. Team yeah, building. Adult playground. Uh, we have a, t a time standard. See who I, I know a bunch of the guys back in production would be racing each other on it, trying to get through it. And I'm sure there would be some standards that would be oh, set. Oh, yes. So it would be fun. I don't know. But there's now, stuff forget, like that. We also have a whole bunch of little children. We have children. So there's a bunch of T-Rex children. So the adult playground, I'm just saying, we can't build an adult playground and not build a kid's playground. Like, that would be... That, that would be a slight Yeah, this guy says, uh, don't look for excuses to spend, safe. I agree, I agree, definitely. Uh, save money, uh, have a plan for what you want to use it on. Um, I do think to some extent, if you have some money, definitely for firearm-wise, if you have a rifle that doesn't have an op a good optic on it, that, and you're not spending money on ammo, you could upgrade your rifle and get it a little better. Uh, but at some point, once you've bought, you know, you have all the capability, you've already invested in it, so you already have a good rifle, you've already got a good pistol, uh, maybe you already have night vision like a 14, then yeah, your money, your excess money you're getting, obviously you could save and put into stuff. I'm definitely not saying be a, you know, a consumer, be consumed by stuff, but um, But you should be budgeting for defense. Cool, yeah. So theoretically, if you're budgeting for defense, and you've decided to set aside 3% or 4% or 5% of your GDP to spend on defense, um, and then a year like 2020 comes along, weighing how you want to spend that money is definitely something that you should be doing very carefully. Buy Adderall? No, just buy Rain. It'll be good. Um, so, all right, so someone was asking about, let's talk about it. They're saying, are you worried about Biden's big gun plan? So I want to hit that first. And there's a couple of really hilarious things about it. But there you are. Go first. So I'll go first. <laughs> the Democrats have always had anti gun rhetoric. Right, they've always talked about this stuff. Now, it just so happens as time goes on, it starts to be a little more overt. Um, but the the agendas of these people on the left who've been trying to get in power, trying to disarm us, that's never changed. And some of that is with Republicans as well. So it, 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 I never expect a politician to run and not have those positions. Like, it's not shocking to me anymore when a guy's like, take all the guns. I'm like, yep, but you're a politician. Like, most likely that's what you're going to say. That's the platform. Not, not shocking at all in 2020, uh, in, you know, 2024, 2028. Like, this is what they're going to be saying for a very long time. Am I shocked by his stuff? Absolutely not. Saw it coming. It's going to be happening with everyone running for president for the next probably 20, 30, 40, whatever years, unless some dramatic stuff happens, who knows what. But I think we need to stop being shocked when people want to take our guns because that's literally how it has always been in history where 
rulers want to disarm the people, like you can look back and find it everywhere, so none of this should be a shock to us at all. Um, he definitely is spells some stuff out in more detail than previous uh, people running for president. And you're some probably of more up to date on some of that. Yeah, if you want to cover some of that, yeah. you're probably more up to date on the specifics. Well, there's one that people have been talking about, which is really interesting to think about. So one of the plans is to make, y'all. you all know the deal with NFA items, there's the gigantic paperwork delay, yes, and there's course. the $200 tax. So his plan is to make a whole bunch of pre-existing things NFA items. Any weapon, any semi-automatic weapon that can carry more than two than 10 rounds, or I believe 10 plus one, and then all magazines. So yeah, so every magazine that I own, yeah, basically at this point, with the exception of, no, I, I have, yeah, no, I have a revolver that would not fall into this category. And what do you say? Every other gun that I said, own, wait, and every other magazine that I own. You said every mag needs a tax stamp? 10 rounds and over. 200 bucks. So let's think about Magpul, for instance. So Magpul makes P mags. How many mags do you think Magpul has made? And I don't actually know the answer, but it is many millions of mags. It I, is easily a billion dollars worth of tax stamps for the civilian market in just the last few years. And that's just <laughs> PMAGs. So just think, and I've seen different, um, I think Daily, Daily Caller threw out, like it's going to be $3.8 billion costs to, to privately owned gun civilian people. I think it's way higher than that if this thing actually goes through. So once this actually gets um, a number put on it, I think that it's going to be very difficult to do. Also, Democrats rarely actually pass gun legislation. They complain and they whine and they lean on Republicans, try to get Republicans to do it. Um, so, yeah, so this question of what will we do if stuff happens, it really remains to be seen what would, what would happen. I do think that uh, Kamala Harris would push very hard for actual crime bills and gun bills and would actually try to make stuff illegal. Yes. And they, they have talked about buybacks, which is way more overt than anyone has really they're, pushed They're way before. more overt this year, but a lot of it is kind of the same stuff. I calculated uh, I would owe $160,000 in tax stamps on my magazines. Yeah, well, also on your guns to take those magazines. Actually, no, that's less because each gun's only $200, right? Yeah, that's way less than the mags. The mags end up being costing more than the Absolutely. guns. Absolutely, because, yeah. <laughs> uh, totally. and, and this reminds me, I need way more mags, but uh, well, we, hey, good heavens. <laughs> we, uh, we have some now. I know. There's, there's... I'm not sure if they're on the website yet, but if you need mags before you know they go up. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. You know. Just hang, hang on. All right. Next thing. Someone asked. Calm down. We'll calm down. Settle down. Yeah, That's, we'll settle uh, down. YouTube will you know, have, that is, have a heyday. Uh, there's a bunch of questions here about how firearm manufacturers are actually scaling. It's different across the board. Um, but generally speaking, they're making guns as fast as they can. I had one firearms manufacturer uh, write to me and he said they have increased capacity immensely and it's like pouring water into the Sahara. Um, the demand for guns is incredibly high. They cannot keep up. I think it's they are seven. doubling their production capacity. A bunch of people are are doing this, um, but what we are talking about is um, we're talking about gun manufacturers that are shipping stuff out to all the same retailers as normal. People are asking why is there not guns on the shelves? It's because they're just getting bought faster. So yep. I don't really want to mention any names because a lot of the people that I've talked to, they've told me stuff that yeah. it wasn't clear whether it was in confidence or not. Eh. On the one hand, Everyone I'm an needs. industry partner when I talk to some of these people, but I'm also I'm a journalist now, just a like you. Figure. Yeah, so I, I don't want to mention any names, but I will say that 
They're making guns just like they have before, only in larger quantities. The gun stores, the retailers and wholesalers are ordering larger quantities, but the gun stores are basically shipping in the same quantities. So like RSR has probably been asking SIG for a million MCXs because they know that they will sell. And I'm sure that SIG has said like, well, we've been selling you, you know, a few hundred a year. We'll, we'll try to, we'll, we'll, we'll just guarantee another hundred this year. Like I have no yeah. idea what the actual numbers are, but the demand is so high that they're making guns at an increased rate. They're shipping them out, and they're just not sitting on this shelves for This guy says, very long. Um, do you think QC will drop because of demand? I think for some companies, QC could absolutely drop. I know for us it hasn't. Um, we've obviously ramped up, and we've bought more machines and hired more people and stuff, but um, our QC stays the same. It's going to depend on less. the companies. We've, we've let a couple of things slip, but one of the advantages that we have is... We have a product that's really easy to make. It's true. And it's only a few parts. It's not like a firearm yeah. that's like and we have, parts or whatever. Even as we've expanded the company, we've kept our quality control checks basically being the same people even They've as, even gotten better. Yeah, in many ways it's, it's gotten up. better. Now, we have let some stuff through, and we have had a couple of training incidents um, that made it through because we have been training a bunch of people. People without hands and stuff, missing fingers and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's no, like, actually, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> There's not a single... Missing finger it's across the entire T-Rex. I figured, I figured by now um, we would have had something like with because we got bandsaws and people are cutting on bandsaws and some of the guys are going super fast but still we haven't had anything. I so Pretty far well. think I may have the most significant. You may have the most the, the the biggest one so far. I never hurt myself doing it. I got I got away scot free somehow probably because I was not cutting as fast as I should have but <laughs> should have cut faster and produced things quicker. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so gun control happening, people expanding. Now, here's an interesting thing. I read an article in Harvard Business Review, or, or, yeah, and they were talking about the big three gun manufacturers. And uh, is that a term that anyone uses anywhere else? The big three? Yeah. Like Stalin and Roosevelt and... <laughs> no, no, well, no, the big three gun manufacturers. So, like, Ruger, Remington, and I forget who they said the third was. Possibly Colt. But you know Remington's what? Remington's gone. Remington's gone. They sold everything off. And Colt has gone out of business so many times. Well, and they they said they were going to. This article, I think, was a couple of years old. They will, but then they're not. But here's the fascinating thing, though. It's interesting that a lot of uh, publications and journalists, I pointed to myself earlier because everyone's a journalist now. We're doing journalisming. But uh, one of the things that's fascinating is the, uh, the journalists are still talking about the gun industry as if it is like the car industry or if it is like the uh, social media industry where there's only three gigantic players. The fact of the matter is that's there are tons of gun manufacturers. There is no big three that kind of run the show. And that is something that I believe is the sign of a very healthy industry. I would agree. Um, breeds competition, which breeds success. Even though the gun industry is heavily taxed, and heavily regulated, and a lot of companies are not even allowed to sell their product into certain states like California. Um, that has still resulted in a healthier industry than industries like the car industry or pharmaceutical industries where well, there are incentives and there is, yeah. there's a lot of powerful lobbyists that actually help them squash the politician, uh, squash the competition with the help of the politicians. Like The fact that there are a million players making AR-15s is, I believe, a sign of tremendous health in the economy. Now, even though there's not any trillion-dollar gun makers at the What point. I will say, though, is what a lot of folks don't understand, and I'll drop this bomb on you guys, 
while they're not a big three, like big farms manufacturers, uh, there are most of the companies making AR-15s uh, don't actually make most of the parts themselves. So there are companies like Toolcraft who makes bolts for most of the companies, bolt mm -hmm. carrier yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got barrel companies. And most of the companies outside of that, like BCM, who doesn't really make much like themselves, rely on the manufacturers of those individual products. And the problem with getting into uh, selling AR-15s or making them or for most companies assembling is you're relying on like 12 different companies to get you the parts. So if you get your barrels, your upper receivers, your bolt carrier groups, but you're missing your, uh, your detent springs or your dust covers from whoever you're getting them from, uh, your whole project is stalled. Like you are yeah. stopped. And that's why like BCM, I was on their website last night and PSA as well. Um, I was on their websites just saying, do they have anything in stock? nothing's in stock and that's because they're making runs of uppers but they're having to rely on parts from over here and over here and over here i don't think psa manufactures everything in-house there's only a couple people that i know of that do daniel defense uh, i want to say colt and i think there's one other company that actually makes everything in-house the barrels the the lowers the forged lowers all that stuff um so that's something to remember as far as like ar-15 availability where if like if we were to sell air 15s it's a logistical nightmare trying to get all the parts from yeah. everyone and then make it into you know make 100 200 uppers and then we get all the rails to make the next batch and then we sit there waiting for the barrels to come back or the upper receiver to come back and most of these companies are assemblers they're not manufacturers they're and that relying is definitely on affecting things i yeah. will say though i think that everybody and not just gun manufacturers i think everybody is getting better at logistics because of coronavirus something that was being done in the past and we've talked about this in the past is just in time inventory is how you squeeze maximum efficiency out of your dollars if you're a if you're a product retailer or a product wholesaler or even an assembler or even a manufacturer like us like we have to rely on people getting us plastic so that we can actually bend it into kydex holsters it's true screws rivets but so many people uh have in the past tried to have no more inventory in stock than possible and as soon as you have issues with uh i missed it was so, close though so close uh if you have a ton of stuff in stock you actually have some flexibility. Yes, you are paying for it, uh, but you actually have some flexibility when there are fluctuations in the supply chain, which is what 2020 has been all about. And um, so I think that people are getting better at that. I think they're getting better at being a little heavier in inventory. I think they're getting better at having multiple, multiple suppliers. And I think that there's a lot of gun manufacturers who have just relied on a few people who make bolts and a few people who make barrels. Yep. And now I think they're going out and they're looking like, oh, I have a local spring manufacturer. They don't actually make a detent spring, but they can. And uh, so I think there's a broadening uh, yeah. and strengthening, and I think there's more resiliency in a lot of areas of manufacturing. But I think the, the crunch is tightest on guns. The, the amount of guns being bought right now, uh, it's just- This guy asked, is PSA releasing their MP5 clone? I kind of doubt it. With everything going on, I'm sure, I mean, we've had products we've wanted to release. I know, here it goes the the Tom Holland of the gun world leaking something else but there's been products we wanted to release we thought we could release and then we ran into issues getting materials to make the item um, and we spent like a few hours talking about a couple of those products today um, so companies that made announcements like earlier in the year at SHOT Show I would not count on some of those happening because of what Sadly, happened yes like the MP5 yeah. and other things like that now I don't talk to PSA I don't know what's going on with them 
I looked at it when I was there at SHOT Show. They pulled it out of the case for me, and it felt like a decent gun, but yeah, I doubt it's happening. And for them, it's probably a low priority. Like, exactly. If yes. I was PSA, I'd be like, focus on Air 15s. It's what people need. A 9mm subgun novelty thing-ish, like, eh, not really. Air Absolutely. 15s, yes. I want to bring this, this. I want to bring this up because... Uh, PSA is a company who has had some quality control issues in the yep. past because of how rapidly they have grown, but their stated goals are to arm people, uh, which is fantastic. We're 100% about that, and yes. I can totally see the guys at PSA saying exactly what you just said. A 9mm subgun is a super cool thing to sell to people, but they don't need it as badly as they need other stuff push production in other areas. We've, we've even had products we were working on this year. We were like, stop, there's more important things happening and unrest and riots and maybe a civil war. Let's focus on products that will actually help there. The armor was a good one. I mean, we we definitely focused on some of the armor stuff at HESCO um, early this year. We made that a priority for sure. Yeah. Big priority for you guys. So there's definitely a bunch of, there's a bunch of people making hard decisions because the other hard decision is, what if you build out uh, a, you, a huge factory expansion in 2020, demand for guns goes down significantly in 2021, and you have spent a ton of money on machines that are going to sit idle. I think that everybody at this point um, is not expecting things to soften too much in 2021. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that there's a ton of people that are, that are expanding. And um, I would say that for gun manufacturers. Now, this is not the case for everybody. For example, ammunition is very hard to spin up new capacity because there's a oh, yeah, lot absolutely. of materials that go into the manufacture of ammunition that are not made here or that are not made easily, no matter how many machines that you have. So that's very hard to spin up. But gun manufacturer requires that you do metal machining with machines that you can sell to other manufacturers if you have, if you have machine time uh, just lying around. And there are a ton of other industries that are booming right now. Um, we have been talking about some, uh, some new CNC machines, some different CNC machines, and talking to a bunch of CNC sellers and automation engineers. Uh, everybody is expanding this year. Um, it, is, it is kind of astonishing. And even I've talked to people like, well, can we get a better deal on this? He was like, nah, because like, we could negotiate. But in the time that we sit negotiating, yeah. uh, I'll just sell another machine. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it was funny. I talked to a company when I was at that event and said, I need more of this item. Can I throw money at you to get more? And he's like, no, I can get you like one a week. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> like they're already it, it doesn't make a difference. They're already so backward. I couldn't give them a money commitment to get more because they're already just sucked dry and everyone's yeah. buying their stuff. So they said I could get one a week. And I was like, OK, like that's great. But I need like more than that yeah is what it is but i will say so as far as next year so i have some prediction well and the predictions are depend on the election to some extent but regardless of how the election goes i think it's very safe to say that um, unrest in the nation will continue because of cultural stuff and distrust in media whoever the administration is that's in you know there's just all kinds of stuff going on right now um, there's some industry kind of things that i'm sort of predicting i think the the era, the golden era of shooting a lot of bullets for training is not going to be happening in 2021. Um, it was able to happen in 19. It was able to happen earlier this year. It was able to happen in 18. You know, people going out shooting a lot more. I was shooting, I shot a 100,000 rounds in 2018. In 19, it came down to like 80. And then this year, it's come down to like 50 or something like that. 
I think that is going to, I don't think that's going to be a thing next year. Uh, but on the plus side, I think next year that means you will have time and money to go do some other things. Yes. So I've been talking to some different instructors about, hey, um, what if you try to do more specialized shooting classes? Uh, what if you tried to do more, uh, or other instructors doing like night vision and stuff like that. And, uh, one thing that I actually would love to do is, uh, I'm right now trying to get a bunch of moving targets and stuff at, at our range or maybe at another range and then getting some rifle instructors to be able to come in and do uh, very low round count rifle classes on moving targets. Cause you never get to do that, you know, in a class have, you know, four moving targets deep with non-threats and threats, foreground and background, hiding behind cover and stuff like that. Like, you never get to do that. But a class like that, that's, you know, a 400 round count, two day, you know, intermediate distance, 200 meters and in, uh, carbine only on moving targets, like a specialized class like there, like that, absolutely. You know, land nav, absolutely. Now, I will say, the way that I do moving targets is with a lot of bullets. Sure, so people Not need so to be accurate, but... I think I think the training world is going to have to change. I think mm -hmm. some of the class stuff's going to change and I think it's actually going to be for the better. I think people will start focusing on things deficiencies and I know you guys can probably think of all sorts of deficiencies I have. Go right ahead. You can fill me full of holes, it's fine. Um, right. be like, "Oh, he can go work on his fitness stuff and lift." Absolutely. Maybe that's something I'll do and I'll get yoked next year. Um, but there's other things where I'm like, "You know what? Maybe I should go buy those two dirt bikes I've been wanting." and go drive trails and get really good driving dirt bikes and shooting submachine guns off the side. I won't shoot the submachine guns that much, but I'll drive around, you know, and do that a little bit, shooting up, you know, cars that are arranged, stuff like that. Uh, obstacle course stuff uh, in full kit. Uh, there's all kinds of other things that I'm thinking about for next year that honestly, if ammo was still available, I would probably just be planning more ammo stuff for next year, like more shooting for next year. So in some ways it's actually, it's, I think it's going to lead to innovation in certain areas, more innovation in the dry fire world, uh, maybe more innovation with VR stuff. We actually have a full VR setup here that I moved over, got a new computer, so we can start playing some more with that. So I'm actually looking forward to next year. I know that sounds really dark and kind of cynical with you know everything going on right now. Um, I think it's going to be neat, yeah. Yeah, I think people need to have hope for the future and be looking for opportunities if you're someone who wants to start a business, uh, definitely look at, uh, you know, voids that need to be filled. There's new voids that need to be filled. Uh, don't think like, oh, I should go start an ammo company. No, it's probably a really bad time to start an ammo company right now with trying to get primers, bullets, and everything. And all the other companies are just getting all that stuff. Um, look for other problems that can be solved. I've got a buddy who... Um, He's not able to live fire at his range anymore, so he's like, you know what? I'm going to do airsoft force on force stuff, um, and he's running great little force on force classes for people. They're like 150 bucks for a day, and he runs them through scenarios, charging them with knives, uh, pistol versus pistol, and he's not able to do live fire anymore. But he's like, honestly, people can't afford the ammo anyway. We're going to do airsoft and do force on force, which is honestly probably for those people more beneficial. For a um, lot of people, I would. For say. a lot of people, and I will also say. I mean, you mentioned land nav and other stuff. Like, there's a ton of non-shooting oh, stuff. Yeah. For this community and for the stuff that we talk about, shooting gets the most attention. It gets the most That's views. But, but night real. vision stuff, camo stuff, community stuff, history book stuff, all of that is equally important and in a lot of circumstances far more important. And... Um, so, yeah, maybe Honestly, we can focus more on that well, as, a, as a group. And a big one, and I kind of... I may do this video, I don't know when, but... Um, 
I think uh, Drew actually wrote a post on the T-Rex Instagram the other day, but a movement is one of the biggest ones in the sh as far as shooting that people can be training. And that's as simple as doing agility ladders, uh, stick drills, static to static, uh, just getting more agile, uh, being a little more dexterous uh, with your footwork. And you don't even have to fire a single bullet for that. I could probably teach a one day movement class without shooting a single bullet with having your firearm, getting side alignment, doing your transitions, and just focusing on movement, arriving in position, getting your head up. If you're subscribed to the T-Rex Arms newsletter, shameless plug, you would have gotten an exclusive training video about movement in which I was training one of our CS guys, Ezra, on uh, just a simple two-stick stack-to-stack drill. Uh, it's like a six-minute video. If you're subscribed to the newsletter, if you're not, go sign up because I am starting to send exclusive videos through there. Um, hopefully one a week, we'll see how that goes, but we definitely just sent one, uh, I think it was yesterday. But um, a movement class, I mean, that's something you can work on in your yard if you really want to get good at movement. Um, so I think there's a lot of things people can be working on that maybe they're forsaking because it's easier to stand on a line and just shoot a gun and reload and shoot a gun and yeah. it's cooler. It's easy. And the thing is, shooting's easy. I know that sounds weird, but like shooting is probably the easiest part of the entire puzzle. Uh, movement and then the other stuff associated with shooting is way harder. Uh, the shooting part is shoot, it's actually really easy in comparison. So yeah. maybe you can't do that in 2021, but you can work on other stuff. Yeah, there's a bunch of things. So. And, and like I said before, I think this is going to be really good for the economy overall in the long term. The fact that we have More so American many important stuff. jobs like manufacturing that are coming back to the States and there's so many companies that are spending money on tools right now is going to build a stronger economy in the future, even though it does mean that, you know, Disney might be suffering a bit. I'm okay with Disney suffering a little bit after all the suffering they put me through with uh, recent Star Wars movies. Um, oh, now there are a bunch of yes. uh, there are a bunch of industries that are hurting. Like Coming back. I heard a pretty terrible um, I heard a pretty terrible story about uh, bars and restaurants in the Nashville area. Yes. Where basically the mayor said we're going to reopen, we're going to allow you guys to reopen, and they bought a whole bunch of food and then instant you know, revoking of that promise and that cost them a ton oh, yeah. of money on top of the money that they were already seriously missing out on. So there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a lot of businesses that are indeed hurting. I don't want to overlook that. Um, I mean, and, and a lot of that stuff is entirely the result of terrible, terrible government. I can speak, I can speak about it from a personal level because redacted lost her job early this year. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's the economy has not been great everywhere. Um, I won't say where she worked or what she did, but she worked in an industry that literally did this when COVID hit and lost her job pretty much right off the bat. So, and I actually she's got think, a new job. I actually cooler, think actually. that that company was premature, and a lot of companies were premature because they battened down the hatches for something that did not happen. They battened down the hatches for a serious, uh, a serious health crisis, and that did not happen. However, we did have a serious mismanagement crisis, and that serious yeah. mismanagement crisis has really, really hurt bars and restaurants. Uh, and but the theme delivery parks, went up. Delivery went up. Delivery went, went way up. up. Manufacturing went way up. Tons of things have gone way up. <laughs> and uh, there are some there are some folks who I think reacted too hastily at the beginning. And then there's a ton of companies like ours that fortunately we were we were pretty heavy on inventory and we were pretty focused on resiliency and so that definitely helped us to uh, weather the the first uh, panic spending and buying and and then when uh, when the Trump stimulus check hit our sales went 
everybody spent that money on useful stuff. Um, and then when the useful stuff was out of stock, they came to our store. Someone's asking why uh, my girlfriend doesn't work for me. Uh, you know what? Let's cover that real fast. So, um, so no, because this is interesting, and this is something that I'm going to completely disagree with you. Actually, I have no idea what you're going to say. No. So, counterpoint. Because um, I've talked to her a lot about this. Um, when you have a significant other that works with you, or say under you in a business or in another department, it can create some political issues where, let us say, uh, this individual, significant other. Um, it would almost be as awkward as if it was a family member, like a brother. That would be so weird. That's different, but what I'm getting at is, <laughs> let us say, let us do a, a scenario where she goes to work for uh, someone over here, and she starts to really fail at her, draw, at her job, does not interface well with people, just it's not going well. Well, they may not want to, you know, um, hold a performance review for her or do something to her because they know she's the boss's girlfriend and or wife. So it can start to create and some really or. awkward stuff that's not um, always the most professional. Um, so you really need to be careful when your significant other is working in the same company with you. Um, now, if she's working, you know, alongside you and you're, you know, in the same capacity you're working in, that can be a little different. Um, but that's a conversation I've definitely had with her many times. Um, it's a conversation that we have, you know, regarding, you know, wives, you know, working in the company. But I think it's, I've heard stories of this sort of thing happening where a guy's like, yeah, just come work and go do this thing down here. And it creates some just weirdness as far as like performance reviews and um, some of the, the politics with other people in the company. So, you know, but she does already help me with some stuff um, company-wise, which is great and she's awesome. But we're not gonna talk about that too much because that's super personal and you guys don't get to know everything about my life even though you all like to ask questions. But yeah. um, I do think as just far as business advice, you should be very careful having your significant other work in the same business in a different department and not maybe right next to you in the same department with the same responsibilities. I will say, I don't completely disagree with you. I will say that there's always going to be potential for awkwardness, even when you hire friends, even sure. when you become or friends brothers. with people that you hired who weren't your friends before. There's so much like, awkwardness with relationships yes. cause friction and they reveal weaknesses in systems and sometimes systems reveal weaknesses in relationships. So, I would say that uh, a lot of people ask us questions about how we are working together. how we working together when we're family because people say never hire. I'll family. say the meeting this afternoon, uh, it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was a good meeting, and <laughs> but I, I will say there there are, there are great strengths to working with your family because you yes. already have relationships and you already have shared understanding of uh, of each other. But one of the downsides is like. I think we got a little too heated in that meeting. I, I, uh, yeah. And you know, I, I probably did. I'm very passionate. Well, about I think things. everybody did because we're brothers, sure. and we used to do that when we fight but, over Legos. But well, and this is the funniest part. I was thinking about this last <laughs> week because I'll get heated, not not generally with Isaac. Um, I'll get heated with other folks, but then the next day it's totally normal, you know, because it's a sibling. And for most other people, like if I get heated, like let us say, let us throw. Um, Let's throw Chad under the bus. If I get heated with Chad today, tomorrow when I see him, it'll still be pretty awkward. Um, but if I if I do it with Isaac, it's like ah, it's fine. Well, I do think that we. It's okay, it's different. The fact that Chad's great. The fact that we're okay we with it doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay. I do think we should work on that. Sure. 
being more professional, especially as we have more people in the meetings. Y yes. <laughs> yeah, that's why we boot. That's why we jettison people. We're like, everyone leave. Just kidding. We don't do that. But uh, yeah, it definitely when there's other people. But this so. this is a very interesting question, and a lot of people have built. We're way off topic. A lot of people yeah, have built human great. resource policies around the fact that relationships are tricky. So you try to create ways in which relationships play as little as possible into how things work because relationships are tricky. But you also get rid of all of the advantages of relationships. Um, just because they're tricky, that's really not worth it. And I will say there's lots of ways to do this. Like um, Heidi, who is my wife, is a tremendously important part of the business, even though she doesn't work here because of all the ways that she is support staff yeah. for not just me, but other people in the company. And uh, yeah, again, I'm not going to go into a ton of details because I will say Lucas has apparently I, said that people can't know personal stuff on this live. So there um, you go. I, uh, yeah. We do get a lot of questions about that. I, I know a big one that I get is like, how how is it being the boss to them? I don't see myself as the boss. I'm the CEO of the company, sure. I, I certainly don't, don't see you as the boss. I totally, that's fine. <laughs> um, I totally, I don't see myself as the boss of, um, honestly, of really anyone in the company. I try not to, but definitely not them because literally we get together in a room and we hash out you know, the strategies are what we're trying to achieve. And generally speaking, like 90% of the time, we're all on board. Sometimes how we get to that objective will differ, where Isaac's like, uh, we should do these kinds of videos or we should do this thing. And I'm like, ah, I'd rather do this one. And then David's like, well, actually, we should be doing this first before those. But the goal way out here is we all hold the same objectives and the same goals. The differences are kind of how we get there and which roads we take. And those are very easy to tackle or easier to tackle. If if we all had different ideas of like what T-Rex Arms is and where T-Rex Arms is exactly going, that's where you start to have more issues because Isaac's like, I want over here, I want over here, and the roads are not like, like together at all. We're on completely separate interstates. But since we're all like going over here, the roads are just like, do we take the scenic detour that's like two months? Do we take the interstate of high risk and get there in like 10 minutes? And do we whatever? Um, so no, it's great. People ask, how is it working with your brothers? I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I wouldn't. And the funny thing is when we started and uh, David came to me and was like, hey, I'll, let's form a partnership and we'll all be involved. I actually wasn't sure originally, it's actually hilarious. Originally I was like, I want to hire people I don't know so that I can fire them a little more easily. But now my opinion is I don't want to hire anyone I don't know. I only want to hire people I know that I can trust. So I've completely flip-flopped um, that sort of mindset from seven years ago. So now I only want to hire people and only work with people I already know and already like trust. And, and yeah, I'm very yeah. picky. So but. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Some some people have yes, commented man. here. Um, yeah, so one of the, some people have commented on how we interrupt each other all the time on the live. That's hilarious. Well, and the, and the reason that I realize that we do this, not that we don't do it in private meetings, but it is very weird for me to talk to this camera to you, and then oh, yeah. like not see that he wants to interject, and then well, talk over him. The other he tries the other issue in, is like that right there. The other issue is Isaac and I are talkers, so it's very easy for me to talk to the camera for an hour, no problem. I mean, I do it on Instagram all the time, and Isaac can do it too. So if I don't interject or let Isaac interject, I'll just keep talking to you guys and I'll keep doing this. So sometimes it's easy for us to just keep talking and not be like, pause for your turn. But this is a weird, That's a problem. this is a weird dynamic. And uh, there's, there's other podcasters and video people who can do it where well, they can have a conversation and include the third chair somehow. And it's, 
Well, uh, I will yeah. say that a lot of those podcasts, they never talk there. They only talk here. That's so this true. is easy. Conversations. I'm doing that, and then I'm not seeing you. Yeah, I need conversations. my panos on so that I can see you. Not really. Your uh, chameleon panos? Yeah, 97 degrees. That's another reminder. We need to market the chameleon targets before we build the chameleon panos. Yes, but I can't do them with night vision. But whatever. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you both have kids? He has kids. I don't. Not yet. Um, what shoes are you wearing? Why did I read that out loud? Tactical boots. Uh, I've got these Solomons. They're great. Ariad uh, boots. They're terribly comfortable. Um, only Everyone wanted to hire people to get fired. Yeah, let me explain that. I So seven years ago, I, know, I knew that the possibility of needing to let people go due to performance issues is there. I mean, if you run a company, at some point, you're going to have to let someone go. So my theory seven years ago was, well, it'll be easier to do that to someone I'm not personally connected to versus someone that I know or someone possibly from church or a family member. Like firing a family member, man, that would be uh, that would be pretty tough. So seven years ago, that was my thinking. But now I'm like, no, no, no. I only want to work with people that like I know. Yes, it would make you know firing someone way harder. But hopefully it won't ever get to that because I know them and I trust them. And we don't have to do that. And we can just work together and do great things. Um, but, yeah, seven years ago, I, I thought a lot of things back then that I don't think now because I've learned because that's what you do when you get older and do things and experience and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry. I have no real-world experience according well, to the Internet at all. None. Nothing. There's no a quote. There's ever. a quote that you will like. Um, this is actually... Heidi's dad told me this. He said, when you start a business, it is highly dependent on your own ability. When you grow a business, it is entirely dependent yes. on your humility. And that is something that, um, yeah, it's well well put, but also very true. The ability to learn. Because uh, T-Rex is a very different kind of a company now than it was a few years ago even. Yeah, we've had some big meetings this year about that. And the industry is year, different. I would say, and I, I don't know if you would agree, but I think so. Um, this year, you know, we had, at the beginning, we had like 30 employees, and we were still, in my opinion, kind of small business. Uh, we all knew each other in the company. We, know, we all, there were less people, so the communication was way more um, connected. And now that we've more than doubled in size, I see the company's just being, it's very different now than it was at the start of the year, which I, I like. It's just, but there's new challenges that we didn't have at the beginning of the year. And uh, Well, one challenge, know, one challenge is that, this is, I think T-Rex is now the biggest company that I have ever worked for. Biggest um, I've ever worked for. And uh, yeah, I think we just crossed that threshold. Because I used to work for a TV station that had a lot of people. Like 50 or something. Or it was something. like 50 or 60 people. But, yeah. um, but, you, but, didn't, now, but you didn't work with all of them directly. Because you were in no. the department. Well, but you don't work I was a producer directly. of okay, a so couple of shows. So I worked with a lot of people. But but yeah, I I do think that one of the biggest issues for us is there's a very big difference logistically between, and we're not a big company on the scale of things. We're sure, still like a small Sig's company. Got like, uh, I think it's like 1200 people or something. Yeah. On the scale people. of companies, we're still very small, but there yeah. is a massive difference between how you run a company of five people and how you run a company oh. of 50 people. The difference is not 10 X. The difference is considerably larger. Like and 30X. so learning that has been a huge challenge and we are a different kind of company in many ways, but goals are the same. Yep. It's all the same. Um, and ways of doing things are largely the same, just with all the additional overhead. Well, that's we've required. even had what's really fun is normally, you know, as you 2x or 3x a company, you envision just like, well, this division of the of the company will just get bigger. 
you don't envision the the extra features you can add on, like the extra quality control you can actually add now that there's more people and there's maybe more funding. Um, so it's actually been really cool to see certain certain elements in the company where rather than just being like, well, we need four more buffers to buff holsters, it's like, well, now we can go buy X type of machinery that's more expensive we can afford now to make the process actually better or now our quality control can go up because of this so it's not just yeah. duplicating the amount of people and stations but it's also let's plug this thing in let's plug this thing in like we had a in the meeting today we had a new um we were talking about a position in the company that we don't have right now that is a you know administrative type thing that also helps employees with other things inside of the company like we didn't have that at 30 employees or 20 employees. We didn't have a need for it then. Uh, but now we're going to be able to have that, and it's actually going to be more helpful for people than back when we had 20. Um, well, we, we might. We, we didn't fully we didn't, agree no, with that. No, we discussed it. Yeah, no, it's no. something that will happen in the future, I'm sure. But And then like when we went and toured Sweetwater um, up in uh, – where, where you didn't go with us, did you? I didn't. Apparently, yeah, we needed to have an adult stay at the shop, which, I, first of all, I don't – fully agree with and then second of all apparently i'm an sure. adult which i also don't fully agree with but he's got kids so yes um i don't so <laughs> i'm not but um so i went up to sweetwater up there they've got 1500 employees and they have stuff on site like they've got a doctor on site they've got um a salon on site they have all sorts of uh things for the employees there and uh, i know some of the people who took over there started getting ideas like oh t-rex could have a doctor and i'm like uh, maybe not yet. Maybe let's get like 500 employees or so before we can start having that kind of thing. But um, it is pretty cool seeing as the company gets bigger what we can actually add on to benefit you know the company and the customer experience rather than just duplicating like cookie cutter like sales have gone up twice as much. So double the amount of molders and double the amount of shippers. But like other things can improve. Like yeah. our shipping system is about to get updated, which is super cool. Um, with like conveyor belts and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that just can't scale infinitely. Once you yeah. build it a certain size, you have to completely change the way that it works. So that's... The business stuff is so fun. I have so fun. Oh, my, the chat's going wild. Fun is I, one way to put it, but it's also not wrong. I, I think it's fun. I think it's great. Uh, my department has, hasn't really grown that much. Oh, are you kidding? We got Look one at all one. this space. Look at all this. No, we got, we got a plant. We went up. This is Gerald. We went up one person in my department. <laughs> His name <laughs> is marketing. Gerald. Sweetwater's huge. They're super cool. Um, they gave us some numbers. I don't know how much I can divulge, but they're, we got to walk their facilities and get a big tour. It was awesome. They've got great customer service, too. That's why we uh, wanted to tour them. Uh, all right, so let's hit some questions real, real fast. Someone um, says that I would disprove of Lucas buying an A-10. Absolutely not. The A-10 is possibly my I, favorite airframe for stuff that I want to do. Not in the world, but for stuff that I want to do in the airfield that we have nearby, that is probably the way that I would go. Will you be doing animations for the next Modern Warfare? No idea. Uh, I did not work on Cold War. Uh, I honestly, at this point, wish I had because it might, maybe could have been a little better, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I was know. around during the actual Cold War. Does that count? You were a baby. <laughs> you, were, you were about a wee child. Um, I, was, uh, I was very young. Uh, daycare for employees, uh, cafeteria. So one of the things, uh, we've talked about this a little, uh, this is my idea. Oh, yeah. Before we have a cafeteria, I would like to have a food truck because the food truck would let us do all kinds of community stuff sure. and stuff at the range a and these food stuff. truck. That would be super food cool. Truck. What would we sell on it? We, oh, all the food would be T-Rex. It'd be like 
uh, Bronchiosaurus, Broccoli. All right, let me open a document. Me menu right now. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, Tyrannosaur, Teriyaki. Uh, let's see, where else can I go? Pterodactyl, starts with a P, right? Uh, Pterodactyl. <laughs> I love the idea of a tear, although in our county, I don't know how well that would do, but I mean, whatever. there's a lot of events. You go to that. Franklin. Yeah. Everyone on the truck could wear full kit and night vision. Oh, it'd be sick. It could be dark inside, so the that, ring nods in the truck. Oh, that corn awesome. dog holster that's been on the to-do list for the last several months might actually happen. Oh, that'd be so cool. Food <laughs> trucks are cool, I will say. Although usually it's not real fast. I I ordered food at the uh, food truck when I was over uh, in uh, North Carolina this past two weeks, and then I got a call uh, from the Airbnb person like, oh, we're here to clean the house, and I forgot they were checking in that day, so I had to leave. But the food I had been waiting on for 30 minutes at that food truck. So I wasn't able to get that food. So food trucks are not always efficient. So the big one would be figuring out how to maximize efficiency on that food truck. Basically a Chick-fil-A food truck. That's what we would need to do. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Um, all right. Sign a, <laughs> sign a deal with Jurassic Fork. Um, that'd be fun. MRAP food truck. That'd be some money. It should be armored at least to some level. Yes. Hesco says my plate size is small. Christ says medium. What should I go with? I want 3810s. Um, honestly, either. So I can wear a small plate. I also wear mediums. Um, if you are a smaller person, I'd say just get smalls. If they're a little small, whether lighter, they're most likely still covering most of your vitals. You're good to go. Uh, you could get mediums. I mean, they're more common, easier to resell. You could start with mediums, sell them, then get smalls. Um, I don't know. Mediums work for most people. How would you as an instructor teach and train the use of full auto? Uh, it depends on what, if it's small arms, it's just recoil management. I mean, it's not much. And it isn't even something that you would teach as no. a priority. It's just like... No, if everyone had it, it's like you switch it and then you burst it and you lean in and you don't let the gun fly over your shoulder. Uh, if it's a belt-fed gun, well, that's a little different. That's a different... That's more part of small unit tactics, suppressing fire. And, and you wouldn't stuff teach like it. that. No, I wouldn't teach that. But it's kind of like yeah, our, juggling, ARs, our juggling course I don't teach. Yeah, MP5s and, and M4s, full auto is like burst and shoulder recoil that's it yeah. like there's not much more i know some guys are like dump your whole mag and a near ambush and then assault or then get off the x and it's like okay people i, mean, I guess like, you yeah, can just hold the trigger for all 30 rounds whatever but uh no i don't i don't teach that kind of thing so uh, there's a people asking questions about multiple firearms because you obviously run multiple firearms i have many. many firearms that I shoot for experimental and testing purposes, but I always go back to what I'm most comfortable with, what I'm most familiar with, what I'm most trained with. And that's really, I think, what people should do. Do you agree or disagree? As far as, I think people should cross-train on firearms as much as they can. Um, if you are not financially set up to just go out and buy all of those guns, try to just get either with friends or somehow cross-training with them some other ways. Um, I wouldn't, make it a financial uh, uh, priority to go buy a ton of different guns to train with unless you have a strategy to get rid of them. Um, otherwise, I would say get a couple and just use those two and be really good with them. Uh, if you're not able to train a lot to begin with, don't try to go train with a ton of other stuff. Just focus on your two guns. Um, most people don't have enough time to train on everything. I mean, I've had to devote, and I, I've had to devote a lot of time to learning a lot of guns to be above average and I don't think most people would be able to use that amount of time because I was spending two three days a week last year year before 
Uh, like even the saw, we have a saw now, and I have barely gotten to devote time to running that as well as I would like. You know, a sub eight second reload um, with retaining, you know, your 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 pouches and everything. And that's a whole different level of it is proficiency it is. than most people need. Like, Correct. I would say you should be proficient in as many platforms as you can, but at the same time, it would be really helpful. Like I want to be able to be proficient with what I own. Yes. But I also want to be familiar so that if I come across an AK, I know how to, at the very yep. least, make it safe. And at the very least, it. make it go, go bang. Yep. Um, yeah, as long and, as you have uh, basic understanding of, yeah. and I think my how to shoot a rifle in 15 minutes video, which I have not worked on, it'll be 15 because of all the different manual of arms. I will probably quickly cover, like, you got guns with the charging handles on the right side and the mag goes in. You got some where it's on the left and the mag goes in. You got some where it's over the top and the mag goes in, like... There's like four or five styles of, of carbine, of long gun, uh, semi-automatic at least, box-fed. I'm thinking about covering all those in the video, and after that, I mean, you'll, you'll know how to load like basically any gun. Yeah. They all kind of work the same. Like a thing goes in, a thing goes back, the thing then goes forward, the and then you pull thing the thing, up. and then a thing comes out. Like They're all pretty much the same once you have a, a grasp of how they work. Um, there's nuances obviously with stuff. Um, but like my FNC, like mag release, like an AR, the safety's kind of funky charging handles on the, the, the right side of the gun, but it's like, it's an AKAR like gun basically. Yeah. So I'm and thinking I, about covering that in my video. Um, when I that, do think that is helpful. Out, the but. odds are like, you remember, um, the guy whose last name I can't remember how to pronounce, but Early on in the riots, ran and got two ARs that were stolen out of a police car. I can't pronounce his name. But he's a cool dude. He Weapon ran and snatcher. recovered things. Yep. And um, there may be situations in which you find yourself yeah. in needing to control and use a weapon system that is not your own. Knowing the basics is really good. But focus on focus on proficiency with the thing that you have. ATF should say. be dissolved, yes. Uh, people are in here saying, uh, Bayan's coming for your guns. I don't think he's coming for our guns. I think like, he'll probably send okay. other people. <sighs> All right. Like, yeah, please tell us what we already know. <laughs> Keep going. Um, uh, someone here asking about Dad's YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. Yes, Dad's YouTube channel is called Stand Up and Lead. Um, someone asking, uh, he doesn't upload new stuff very often. He does plan to, um, yeah. but go through the backlog and, and new stuff is coming. But yeah, Stand Up and Lead is Dad's YouTube channel. Highly recommended. Someone's asking, what was my involvement with Modern Warfare? Uh, I was a consultant and I uh, did mocap for multiplayer. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And some other stuff. But it was a lot of fun. It was a very fun side gig back in 2018. It was a long time ago, actually. Yes. I had to keep my mouth shut. I know I'm the Tom Holland of leaks for the gun industry or whatever, but I kept a tight lid on that for a year and a half. I was under like five NDAs and they could have taken the company from me probably because it's Activision and they're, you know, multi, multi-billion dollar international company. <laughs> and they kind of joked about that when I was there. They're like, oh, we'll just take your company. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> signing it. Uh, so I had to, I had to keep a secret. I can keep secrets. I think I that... just spill things so you guys think I can't, but secretly I've got some, got some big ones. Yeah. The fact that you can keep a secret is your biggest secret. Thanks, Isaac. That's great. Okay. Uh, chest rig. Uh, we're working on it, guys. We're working on it. Hey, hey, hey secrets. It's still happening. I'll say. Some people are like, "Oh, it's not happening." Like, no, it's still happening. It's a great design. I want to see it happen, but you know. Biden has a shotgun. I saw a hilarious. <sighs> that was he's got security. He, he said he told Jill that if anyone attacks, go out on the balcony with a shotgun. <laughs> it's like which balcony? And then it was a picture of his gigantic house. 
surrounded by dudes with select fires, no doubt. Well, naturally. Yes. Um, so it's just how it is. Uh, John Lovell collab. Yeah, every time I see him, we talk about doing one, but then I go back to what I'm doing, he goes back to what he's he's doing, and we don't end up coming up with a plan. Um, oh, I wanted to talk so. about this on the stream. So yes. there are others. There, there are things that you talked about in previous streams about marketers. Yes. Uh, in the last YouTube video, marketers, uh, scandalous stuff coming out about people. I wanted to say that John Lovell is also cool. He was yes. not one of the ones who was problematic, even though he was one of the ones on the list that went out. He's not one of the problematic ones. I feel like most people on YouTube here won't even know what you're talking about. Well, you talked That's about it last week, so I was going to say it. On but YouTube? yeah, yeah. On well, you you mentioned it, and then also. Oh, on in general, before all that blew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny how I end up talking about stuff before some of these things even happen. Yeah. It's almost like I talk about these things all the time, and people don't realize it. Well, okay, that's no. why I wanted to bring it up because yeah, we yeah. talk about this stuff all the time. But yeah, John Lovell is a friend. Warrior Poet Society is doing very cool stuff. I think so. Here's something that I think would be very cool. I think it would be really cool if we if we were clear on some of our goals and our mission. And I think that, that yes. would be that would be cool for other people to do. And I understand why they don't. And I understand the need to stay flexible. But yes. I feel like John Lovell. Even though our styles of content are wildly different. Very different, yes. Our end goals are very similar. Even, and, and PSA is a good example. PSA is a company that is very different than a lot of companies in the industry. But I feel like their goal of arming as many people as possible jives super well with T-Rex's mm -hmm. end game and our main goals and our overarching um, purpose as a company. Even though... There are a lot of differences, obviously, between a lot of different companies. I honestly wish, the one thing I wish John would do differently, and I'm not sure what, he's, what his class schedule looks like, I wish he would focus solely on his uh, CQB uh, stuff. I think he teaches shooting classes, but there's very few guys that I would go to for a CQB class, and he's one of them. So part of me is like, just teach CQB, since other people teach shooting. Just focus on CQB, but... I understand he can't do that all it, the time. And I, I doubt he teaches classes as much, especially right now, as he was last year, yeah. or the year before. He's. But. I think he's a very good entry-level teacher, except for the fact that it's. he is so yeah. overqualified for that. Yeah, but. he's... You can't... The, the funny thing is, John's another perfect example of he could teach every weekend and get 500 students a year just focusing on weekends because those are probably the, the, really the only time civilians can you know, take time off and train. Uh, the only time the only time you can really teach uh, in the weekend is for like mill, LE, like folks. But uh, so you're only looking at effect, positively affecting one-on-one -on -one 500, 600 people unless you're filling classes with like 40 people. But like I really don't recommend people do that. Or John makes his videos on YouTube, which reach hundreds of thousands of people instead of doing the classes. And to me, that's way better bang for the buck, in my opinion. Um, it's one reason why I'm not teaching classes. I teach some contract stuff here and there, uh, and there's other reasons for doing that, but I'm not teaching classes. I'm never gonna be a full-time instructor. It's just not gonna happen. What I would like to do in the future is teach like one a month, because um, I do love to you know, shoot with folks and train people. It's a lot of fun, but um, it's not going to be something that I'm going to put all my time or focus into uh, because making videos on YouTube, like how to shoot in 10 minutes uh, that can get half a million views and reach people and it's free content that can benefit people all over the world, uh, to me is just, um, I'd rather prioritize that over one-on-one -on -one classes or in-person classes where, yeah, it's helpful for like 10 people, 
but only those 10 people that show up, you know, only those 12 people that show up. Um, so I've just, I don't know, I've always focused internet and, you know, media, because that's a great way of reaching people. I mean, we got, you guys are in here right now. I mean, it's like 2,000 people watching right now. Um, and if I was teaching a class right now, well, that's 12 people that I get to talk to all day versus 12 people 2,000. is a pretty big It's like 20,000 right now. What? It is. 12 people is a big class. It is. But Someone... people are always like, why don't you teach classes? And it's like, well, because there's other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> there's other things that need to be done, things that need to be talked about. So... People asking about the PSA dagger. So the PSA is. dagger is oh, the Glock knockoff. The Glock thing. Now I say Glock Damn. knockoff, but what it actually is is a Glock that is made in America, and the base level one is a little bit cheaper than a used Glock. But the one that comes cut for uh, optics and with a threaded barrel and flint sight tracer and all that stuff is cheaper than an actual, uh, not made in America Glock. So that is something that is. Uh, I think it's a very cool idea. We'll see how it goes. That may have been one of their low priority great things drop this gun. year. Oh, I mean, it's a great gun to have in your car in the glove box. <laughs> I mean, I, I am curious. Is it just another Gen 3 Glock knockoff, or is it something else? I'm not sure. But either way, it's made in America, and the price is I will say, as much as people don't like PSA, well. PSA is definitely doing more stuff than most companies. Now, yeah. it's not always stuff that necessarily works out really well, but like... They're very mobile. I'm actually really curious. I'd love to get a tour and talk to them, but I'd love to see how their teams are doing their stuff. Oh, yeah. Because they're like executing gu whole guns and things and different, like do they have teams for like the MP5 project and then these guys over here? Or is it like a, a, a bunch of them all on one team and they're all working on stuff at the same time then relying on people? Like what they got going on over there is pretty wild if you think about it. Now, yeah, I know oh, quality yeah. control and whatnot and, and some people are, really don't like PSA, but, but like- But that is true of like, BCM, like companies that yeah. rapidly scale, Same let a problem. few lemons through. Companies that don't rapidly scale, let a few lemons through. But yeah, that is an excellent point. PSA is I a way bigger company producing way more stuff than we think about, and they also do new crazy stuff. And I am really curious about that, because T-Rex, still being a small company, like when we invent a new product or we decide we want to make a holster a different way, Oh my goodness, it is so much work to make new molds, train the people how to do it. Like in the old days, when you wanted to make the sidecar slightly differently, you just started making it slightly differently, and it was right. that's how it was from then on out. But uh, yeah, the inertia of even our size of company is daunting. And Keep so thinking about somebody like PSA just rolling out, we're going to make an AK all in-house. We're going to make MP5s. We're going to make a Glock. We're going to make all the yeah. stuff. People are saying, I've seen this question a lot, and it's probably a decent one to end on, although I don't know how long it's going to take to end on this one. But it's, uh, Biden wants to ban all online sales of firearms and or, or tactical accessories. Uh, what are you guys going to do? Well, first off, big question. I would say if that were to happen, there would be bigger things to worry about than selling holsters online. If something of that magnitude happened in America. I agree. Yeah. And I think people get really caught up in a scenario where they're like, this thing happens. So then you're not, we're not going to have like, you're not going to be able to sell online. And it's like, yeah, but you're not looking at everything down here that's going to happen because of it and the consequences and whatnot. Like to some extent, a lot of stuff becomes a moot point once, once things get to a certain point. Um, so some of those questions about like, Banning all guns and ammunition in America. Yeah, if that happened, uh, there'd be bigger things to worry about than selling online and having USPS show up to pick up packages. 
there'd be much bigger things to think about. Yeah, the ramifications the ramifications of that would be so significant that there would be a lot of stuff going on. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't care about T-Rex anymore, probably. I don't know. It would just be totally different. Well, it'd be a different America at that point. If, yeah. it, if it got to that point somehow without everything else happening in the middle and judges and all kinds of stuff and uh, governors seceding from the union and all kinds of crazy stuff that could happen leading up to that before that even happens. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns that can happen. But people always jump to the apocalyptic thing, and then they don't think about everything else that could happen around that time or right after that time. Well, right, and and they throw out something like that. And I, I'm not saying this is a terrible, uh, terrible question to ask, because this is a thing that Biden has said that he wants to do. But this is something that would require <coughs> like 12 crazy steps of tyranny. And asking what we would do at step 12 when 11 horrific things have happened that would have a gigantic impact on... Tremendous amounts of interstate commerce, federal law enforcement, local law enforcement, judicial stuff, etc. Um, very hard to say. It's kind of like a young adult novel, what people are predicting. Like a crazy apocalyptic scenario, but with weird hijinks. Um, like we, we just watched Ready Player One recently. And oh, yeah, I don't know how that, uh, how that, some of that stuff works. Like Hunger Games. You have hover trains, but you also have four-year-olds mining coal, naturally. Yes. Like... This is a this is a complicated uh, complicated scenario that you're laying out where both of these things are true at the same time. And some of the questions about what would you do if Biden did this, um, there would be way bigger things to worry about than than keeping the doors uh, open at T Rex oh, yeah. selling well, plastic holsters. Or, Even though plastic holsters yeah, matter. Or enough people would just say we're not giving in, and then nothing happens, and the law doesn't happen because no one. There's so many unknowns. There's so many things. Like, I, we war game a lot here at T-Rex, and by that I mean we think of a scenario and we try to think of what do we do instead. So uh, another great one uh, was earlier on, we usually start planning for Black Friday starting in, like, February. Um, January, we have an AR right after our previous Black Friday. We start planning for the next one. Uh, but it was months ago we were getting together, like, what if we have no inventory because right after the election people buy everything? So then we started coming up with a new strategy for by the time Black Friday rolls around because new things have happened. So we war game scenarios all the time, but when we do, we really try to make sure that we're not creating uh, super unrealistic scenarios um, we try to keep them grounded in reality, but also try to think of the stuff that can happen leading up to that. It's not like everything's normal and all of a sudden, ooh, big bad. Like, no, usually it's, it's this. And so you can start kind of planning along the route before you get to big bad that happens. But I think a lot of people are just like, well, nukes are legal, civilians will own them. I'm like, no, for nukes to all of a sudden be legal, there would be all this other stuff happening over decades before all of a sudden anyone could own nukes. But people don't like to think about it that way. They just go straight to 100 and they're not thinking about how it would actually like work. And I think the same thing's happening with some of the questions about uh, Biden banning stuff. Like to go all the way to here, there would be a lot of other stuff going on up in here leading up until that point, which could help with the planning process. It could help with some of the preparation process. Um, and I think that's something that people don't think about when they start wargaming scenarios or thinking about the worst. Yeah. Too many people go straight to the worst and they're not thinking about the bad that's already happening or the bad that'll happen tomorrow. Like just start with the bad. Don't go straight to the worst. Just start with the bad and planning solutions for that. And then you can get to the worst, but don't go straight to the worst. You, you're not going to be able to plan for that at all. Like at all, if you haven't planned for the bad. Yeah. 
So I think that that was a reasonably good place to end the stream. We have been talking for about an hour. Yeah, it's good. And uh, I think I think that this is something that all of us should should work on is really thinking through um, wargaming scenarios and actually making sure that we're doing enough research that we know what is likely and what is um, what is what is worth thinking about. Because we could spend a lot of time wargaming scenarios that are less likely and waste time on that. Like as a company, that's always a uh, yeah. It's always a possibility. That's always a temptation to waste time. So um, yeah. as we go into the election, uh, I have been mostly focused on T-Rex-related impact of the election and not so much on wider scope. But that's probably a good thing to be thinking about at the moment Yeah, for we'll everybody. See. What do we have, two weeks left before the election? Two? Uh, something crazy like that. Are we going to recommend that people go vote early? It's on a – I mean – I mean, I've been told that the lines are six hours long, so I'd say, yeah, go now before they're 20 hours long. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Do you think that people are super excited about voting for Biden? You think that all I, the early voters are just super stoked for the opportunity to go? Uh, I don't think so. That's what's going to make it really funny if it's super rigged and people are like, everyone voted for him. And I'm like, no, I don't think there were people voting like a month in advance for him, but whatever. Um, what I was going to say is the election's on a Tuesday, correct? Uh, yes. I believe so. Um, so the Wednesday, the next day, is a live day. So what do we do? Oh, we will we will uh, talk about a live on the election. The problem is we don't know what the result. There, there may not be a result. That was what I was going to say. I was the saying issue. the likelihood that there is no result and that both sides have refused to concede because everybody is calling shenanigans and everybody is demanding and everyone's and everyone is on. demanding that multiple ballots be sent out and found in mailboxes and stuff. There may be nothing to talk about on Wednesday. We'll talk about Ready Player One. That's what we'll do. You thought it was a fun movie. I disagree. We'll argue. I'll have to watch it again. I can't even remember it that No, way. no, no, no. Actually, I was thinking um, a fun movie review show was you watch a movie, I pretend that I saw it, and we debate it. Great. I'll still probably lose. It's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. But then I'll play a video game, and then it's a game you definitely haven't played, That's and uh, I'll win that because, you know, I'll yeah. know all about it. The ins and outs, the meta, the best loadouts, the best things. Yeah, like you I'm, saw I, I'm hoping I can play tonight. I think I need to. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day but anyway guys thanks so much for tuning in we will definitely be trying to keep you up to date on what's going on um we love being able to talk to you all obviously so just for you guys to know we probably aren't streaming with guns on youtube anymore so these conversations aren't going to be show and tell uh but i am thinking of trying to do some of those on youtube definitely more on our newsletter at yep. t-rex arms definitely sign up there uh but definitely more of this Answering questions, talking about what's going on is probably more what these uh, streams are going to be. Less show and tell. For now. For but now. Remember, this is not a YouTube Live. I mean, if you're watching it live on YouTube, it's sure. YouTube Live. But what you're actually doing is you're watching the weekly hour-long T-Rex show called T-Rex Talks, which is also a podcast. It doesn't have to be on YouTube. Some weeks when we want to show and tell... We'll do it on Vimeo. We'll do it on Facebook. We'll do it somewhere else. We'll do it not live. I and you'll just guns. have to go I want to talk else. about guns. I want to show them and talk about them and night vision. Yeah. So sometimes, me, me, me. sometimes this show, even though it keeps happening, <laughs> may not be live on YouTube. Just just FYI. Yeah. But with that said, guys, take care. We'll see you all. It's been a good time. Thank you so much for watching. <laughs>